0: mindfulness mode
1: we don't know what our story is supposed to be
0: full tribe i'm excited because today i have a guest here who has a wonderful inspiring music country music hit on the playlist and but she's done so much more so many other things she's uh, she's opened for a lot of great musicians, including Clint Black, Trace Atkins, Charlie Daniels. She's written a couple of books, which are fantastic. She's inspiring to so many people. She's uh, Her career has included 20 years in sales team coaching, and she's just done really incredible things. And so I'm really excited to talk with her today i'm here today with amy scruggs amy are you in mindfulness mode today
1: I am i actually was up extra early and just getting into that place to start a new week you know we just come off a holiday but just i cannot start the day without being mindful or else it could be a train wreck by four o'clock
0: <laughs> i know what you mean well tell us what does mindfulness mean to you amy
1: i am have really and i would never use the word perfected but my daily discipline is waking up with everything i'm grateful for even the hard things so before i even open my eyes before i check a phone before i brush my teeth I'm saying, thank you. Thank you for this roof over my head. Thank you for opportunity. Thank you for blessings. Thank you for lessons today. Thank you for challenges. Um, and I just really try to go into those things that I'm thankful for. If there's certain things that are really difficult, I say, I release this in light love. I'm going to pray for someone's happiness. If there's, you know, an estrangement or something like that, and just try to get into that mindful place before I even put my feet on the ground, then I can start the day. And that doesn't mean the challenges don't come, but at least that's become just, I think the biggest daily habit. And then I do the exact same thing when I go to sleep. The last thing I think about when I go to sleep is that same list. And it's really been an incredible shift to help me adjust through anything that comes at me throughout the days and weeks.
0: Well, that's inspiring. And, you know, looking at your bio and knowing about your terrific hit, what if it all goes right and all of these things, it seems like, wow, this lady's just got it all together. You've had your share of challenges, though, haven't you? Mm -hmm. And you were a single mom. Tell us about that journey.
1: I, I was a single mom for a lot of years, and I, and I love that you brought up the title of the song, What If It All Goes Right, because it found me, and I know it found me, and I, I joke that it's, it's the anthem to go against the naysayers throughout the years. It said, how are you going to do that? And What about this? And What if this fails? And what are you going to do? And, and, you know, oh, your life has been a series of just a train wreck, and, and all of the, because some of the negative and, you know, well-meaning people that maybe don't have the same mindfulness habits that come at us with their stuff, and learning how to take that off. And I've always wanted to say, but no, I'm a series of victories, not tragedies. I'm a series of learning to grow and learning to accept failures. And this song comes into my path called What If It All Goes Right? I'm like, that's it. So what's the best way to send that message out there to the world as a vocalist? record it and put it out to the world. And I think that's made quite a statement, but yes, um, I, I was a single mom for many years. I've raised four kids. My youngest is just graduated high school and off to college. I, um, and happily married now, uh, again, and, and, uh, two-step kids as well, but everybody's grown. But with that was just tremendous situations and challenges. I had my first son at 18. So there's the first moment of what are you going to do with your life and being faced with, okay, how do we, how do we create something out of that? And I feel like he and I, we raised each other. I mean, there's definitely my oldest son is Ryan. He's 31 now. And there was so much growth that needed to take place through that. But that same that same young man ended up becoming my lead guitar player and touring with me by the time he was 18. Wow. And serving the military and veteran community with with me and has been on some of the greatest stages and with some of the the biggest artists in country music with me as mother and son. And so there was a purpose and a calling on his life and staying mindful to realizing this wasn't about my journey then, but also about his and watching that expand over all those years um, was really something. Um, I I started in, in the mortgage and real estate industry in 2000. And that was, I had mouths to feed. I had just become a single mother and needed to step into a, a career. And I was so grateful to have met an amazing woman that took a chance on me without the experience or resume that would have allowed me to get the job that I did. She took a chance on me. And so I really, it's interesting. My success at that time wasn't because I was trying to succeed for me. I was so grateful that somebody took a chance on me. I was succeeding for her at first. Like I just didn't wanna let her down. And I ended up becoming the number one sales rep in the country with the company within six months because I was so worried about letting her down. Someone that picked me up and said, I'm gonna take a chance on you. I will teach you, I will groom you. And that really started my career in being around professionals, business professionals. It was a big time in the early 2000s in the mortgage world. And I was working for a bank on the wholesale side. And I learned very quickly that effective communication, being comfortable, in front of people and being able to present was also going to be a key to success for me which is another one of those tools in the tool belt that I still use to this day and and walked through that journey and loved my career at the time and then we know what happened to the real estate and mortgage world in 2007 yes that's for sure <laughs> so that's security that's what I and I was always singing and performing I was in cover bands and performing at concerts in the park and community events and just having a blast kids in tow we I was I was doing both I had a chance to go to Nashville and start recording in 2004 because I was able to do both. But in 2007, that shift happened Mm -hmm. big time. And again, there's that mindfulness to say, do I bury my head in the sand? Is this where my story stops? Or do I take the skills, the tools, the same tools that it took me to start in the industry in mortgage and say, I can succeed. And I needed to do it again. Well, what talents do I have? What skills do I have? And when you look in a toolbox and you realize that most of them are missing, but you've got like a, you know, a hammer, a screwdriver, or maybe a, you know, a wrench to deal with you, you make something out of it. And I went out and asked for the same business in my music career. And six months later, I opened for Clint black on a national stage on the 4th of July in Arizona. Wow. And I knew that was going to be the next launch pad. So it was just that, that resilience almost of saying, why not? I'm going to go ask for the business. What if they say, no, I don't care but the not trying is not an answer. And pushing that fear aside. And we went out and toured for the next years. the kids and I, with my son right there on the stage, I had some great musicians that came in and out and we had incredible experiences, including being the spokesperson for the American veterans for California for four years. That was amazing, life-changing work. Again, those tools and the tool belt that just just came together and um, had some tragedies happen in 2011, our bass player died suddenly. And it was still we were still struggling to make ends meet as you know, as a musician, you're, Mm -hmm. you know, five gigs this month, and only two the next month, it's not exactly, you know, it was an ebb and flow, and we lost the home. Mm -hmm. So in 2011, there was that next level of shifting, where I had to start over again, again. And so I came back into the mortgage and real estate world, and started working with professionals in the sales end and saying, Okay, well, I've got those tools, this industry is coming back, I can still sing. And I can still step back into the business and that's what I've been doing the last 11 years that opened up doors for being a tv host for opening now for chubby checker and Frankie Avalon and Tony Orlando and Toby Keith and allowing me to pursue these passions and what seemed like tragedy at that time was the fact that I had to go back and retool and that mindfulness to say I remember the first day moving to the new city in San Diego not knowing anybody and starting over again And saying, I felt a passion that just was, if I put the same mindfulness, the same passion, the same heart into this new job in a cubicle that I was starting at again, as I did into these years out there with the veterans, watch and see what would happen. Put the same passion into it, even if it's a task I don't think that I should be doing right now. Put the same passion in and see what happens. And here I am 11 years later after hosting a, a, a national television show, new music out. The book, Lights, Camera, Action, I'm just blown away. And I I believe if I'd stayed bitter, if I'd stayed angry or scared or a victim, that these opportunities wouldn't have come about. So I I know that was lengthy, but I wanted to kind of Mm -hmm. put that foundation there for us to have a really great discussion on some of these key turning points and being mindful and maybe helping encourage others that might be in the same position to not give up.
0: Right, for sure. Well, you've really done so many things. And I was just going to bring up your book which is called light's camera action what brought you to that place where you're like hey i'm in the at the place where i'm going to write this book <laughs>
1: well the same one that it did for a lot of people a pandemic okay (laughs) I could no longer be in front of people or in the studio and I had interviewed hundreds and hundreds of professionals um, being a part of the tv show for those years and I have ADHD so sitting down was not a choice (laughs) and I said you know what what a great time for me to put this book together and it's not just me sharing a bunch of stuff. It's actually the stories of the professionals that I had the privilege of working with these last years. It's others' success stories, plus my tips and tricks and and how to do certain things. And I reached out to some key influential people in my life that mean a lot to me and said, hey, would you would you contribute in this? I have a legendary championship NFL coach who said, yes, I'd be happy to give, give my input on why watching the tape and reviewing the tape is so important to creating champions and winning the game. And watching the tape is a part of learning how to be your best self on camera and how you deliver your message. And I had uh, Julianne Ford. Oh, she is just a doll. She is President Ford's daughter-in-law. Her her husband is Jack Ford. And I said, would you contribute to this? And she wrote a wonderful chapter on the power of the first impression. After being a woman kind of thrown into the world of the White House, Mm -hmm. she contributed to the power of what the first impression really looks like. And so it was fun to say, you know, everybody was kind of down. We're all in pandemic and nobody minded contributing because we all had that empty space. And I took advantage of that space and said, let's put this in motion. And, and I again, I didn't care if one person heard it or if a million people read it. Uh, it, I knew that it was going to help somebody and some professionals, especially in today's virtual world. We're all on camera.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: <laughs> Everything yeah. we do now is on camera. So this is for everyone with some fun stories of of professionals from all walks of life that have learned to grow in that skill set. Yeah. So, so you, that's you, how the book came published together. published the
0: book in fall of 2021 and it was published yes. with Morgan James Publishing. Was it difficult yes. to find a publisher?
1: I was, I was very was very assertive in finding resources at that time. I was signing up for any group and any entrepreneur group and any classes I could learn to up my skills in digital media. I was like, you know, this is the time for me to retool Mm -hmm. while everybody else is watching Netflix. I'm going to just tool because who knows what's coming ahead. And so I actually put myself into a, a circle that it was right there in front of me. And I was given the opportunity to pitch to Morgan James, and they said yes. So uh, that mindfulness to say, I believe it's right here, that it's going to come effortless, that if this is supposed to happen, the resources are going to be there. And and not sitting and just you know waiting for the door to knock, but still knocking on doors at the same time and being open-minded to seeing those opportunities and be discerning in them is what took place. Right.
0: You're a very confident person. At least that's what comes across. Let's talk about your faith. Let's talk about the piece of your life that is represented by faith. What's that look like?
1: It's been a tremendous, tremendous foundation for Mason's birth. That that faith to to know that once we've had a a miracle in our life, let's say, oh, there was that one time when at the last minute the money came in right when we needed it, right? We've all can tell those stories of, oh, that thing happened when I didn't see it coming. Once we have that experience, and and a lot of us had that first experience in childhood where something happened that saved us in a moment's notice, right? Once we've had that, what I call miracle, I feel like I'm without excuse to believing that it can't happen again. Well, it's happened before. So I can sit here where something may look hopeless. And I have the faith to know, no, if I'm if I'm mindful, if I'm open, if I'm asking, if it's no, it's probably for my best interest. And if it's yes, it's because I was open to receiving it. And I do believe that God has really led this whole journey that even the tough stuff was going to help somebody someday was toughening me up, was tooling me up. So my faith is there in the darkest, most painful moments, you know, even, even losing the home. That was that, I mean, that was probably the toughest thing. One of the toughest things I've been through was losing our family home because it really split the kids and I up. My boys had to go one direction. My daughter was young. She had to stay with me. And I look back now, we made that move here and she started first grade. She just graduated with honors from high school and got into her dream college in marine biology right here in San Diego. Wow. Had we not lost the home, those opportunities may not have been the same for her. And I see the life she was able to have, how much my boys have grown and evolved as as individuals from going through that experience together. It's something that was so painful to be ripped away, I feel has been given back to us tenfold. And we've created new beautiful things out of it. And that's what life is. We're never going to stay the same. And it's the faith for me to know this will this will work itself out. Even if it's painful, even if it's loss, it will still benefit me somehow, even if it means that I can help others with loss. Yeah,
0: yeah. Wow, very inspiring. I want to ask you a question about bullying. I've worked in bullying prevention mm. for quite some time, and I just always ask a question about, you know, whether there was a story mm. that you could share with us where mindfulness would have made a difference.
1: I was bullied a lot as a kid. How were you? A lot. I was chased home, spit on, teased. Um, there was a lot of bullying as a young child, and I think mindfulness. Had I been taught my core that this wasn't about me, but it was about them. It was something broken in them, maybe something going on in their home. I think if I had understood the bigger picture to forgive and let that go, to not just see them as bullies, but see them as individuals that just had brokenness they weren't dealing with, Mm -hmm. even as children, then I could have not attached those to myself for so many years. I had such insecurity. I was... It was, it was difficult. I mean, even in high school, I was the choir geek. (laughs) I was the one that was, you know, bad hair and braces and the choir geek. And my, my brother was captain of the football team. He was a senior. I was a freshman. So there you go. Story is set. No need to say anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember his friends even picking on me or throwing footballs at my head in class. And, you know, I didn't understand then the dynamic. Mindfulness could have helped me say, just let it go let them go and find their own journey. It'll catch up with them. You just stay true to you and evolve. And I, it's what I, I see so many young adults now and, and, you know, junior high and high schoolers and going through such a different world than what we did back then in the eighties. I can't even imagine going through what they go through now because there's the internet, there's Instagram, there's everything else to cause that bullying. And I just, I just want to hug them and say, it's, it's okay. These are others projecting their own stuff everybody has their own brokenness and they're dealing with it in a different way and if i can just release and let it go then i'm a stronger individual i can i can reclaim those truths what are the truths and then stand on those
0: amy do you meditate
1: yes every day
0: every day tell us what that looks like how long what's it like
1: it varies uh, based on, you know, I do have a big family and a big life. So sometimes not as long as I would like.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. I can imagine. <laughs>
1: you can't always predict the interruptions, especially when everybody's all in one house. Um, but uh, I even have a special place that I go to that's a separate spot. And sometimes I'll um, only read maybe a paragraph of a book first um, and just kind of go through that and then just meditate on that. Sometimes I just need to sit in the quiet I have to calm my own head and say, stop, stop, stop coming up with words in your head, sit still. And I'm still learning how to go in deeper of it. But then I've started becoming very strategic and specific with it of actual specific things and not in ways of like, you know, I want $10,000 today, but help me to walk in that abundance, help me to receive so that I can give help me to, to completely have a daily pursuit of my passion and potential. And I think my meditating is continually asking for that, that I enjoy this pursuit of my passion and potential and watch and see what happens. And so I just sit in calmness of that and receive that and kind of clear out the noise so that I can then start the day. So usually anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes, depending on what kind of time I have.
0: Amy, I want to go back to the time when you were the TV host for the American dream TV on CNBC. What was that like? Tell us about some of the highlights.
1: Oh, my, my favorite thing. And it evolved. It, start, it didn't start off on CNBC. The show started growing each city and it would be on ABC in this city and NBC in this one. And it was interesting. It kind of grew with the show as it was really launching. And I was um, at the news desk and we would Skype. It was still Skype then. Yep. Zoom wasn't there then. <laughs> yep. And so um, I would have professionals that were Skyped in. And then I had a lot that were in studio that would be local or come in and fly in for the show. The best thing for me was watching other individuals having their moment and helping them be comfortable in it. Because the most common insecurity I discovered was that, is this what I look like? Is this what I sound like? And what do I say? And I'm nervous. Everybody would stop and straighten themselves and get nervous. And I'd be like, I got you. And and I would let them know I've I've had my moments. I've been on some of the biggest, most amazing stages. I've sung in, in stadiums. It's It's incredible. Those were my moments. This one's yours. So my job is here to help you your moment and bring out your best and share your message. And so for me to realize that that was my responsibility and role, it wasn't about me being on camera. I was already comfortable with that. It was about me being in such a a beautiful support role. And the more I did that, the more I was really able to see these individuals in a different light because it wasn't just focused on me and what am I going to say? And what am I going to do? It was really, it was them. What, what do they need right now? And listening to them, if I'd see them get off track, how do I pull them back in? If I hear a great soundbite, it's like, wow, I, I want to take them there and, and getting them, bringing that out in them in a moment that they didn't think that was going to happen. And when the interview would wrap up to have them go, oh, wow, you're really good at that. I didn't know I was going to say that. You know, I know. I, I mean, one of my most powerful interviews was World War II veteran, Jack Gutman, Normandy survivor,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and to sit with him, and ask those questions and have that emotional connection and to have him share, oh my goodness, you, you can't put to words the power of that moment and I will treasure it every day for the rest of my life.
0: Wow, that is powerful. Wow, so incredible. Well, what next for Amy? You know, you're, it just <laughs> seems like maybe, is this a bit of a pivotal time for you? Your youngest has gone off to college. You've got this big right. hit going on. What if it all goes right? So what are you working on next?
1: Taking a breath, the last two and a half years have been building, 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 getting the book out there, recording the music, putting the song out there, promoting You know, all the pieces, all the expectations necessarily that are on it. And what I'm enjoying now is being in it and not stressed about it, not being attached to outcome. That's the biggest thing for me is saying, I am not attached to outcome. It didn't have to be a hit for me to be okay. The book didn't have to be a hit for me to be okay anything that I'm doing saying, where do I need to be? And watching this shift, I've been able to book some larger speaking engagements and uh, become a a bigger part of community outreach and things like that, especially through Rotary. I'm a Rotarian. Mm -hmm. So really diving in more with the Rotary and helping Rotary clubs has been really fun and saying, okay, what's ahead is, is where I need to be. It's interesting. I I changed how, um, how I prayed a couple years back because we we tend to say, bless what I'm doing. I want this blessed. I want this to succeed. I, I, you know, please, 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 even our meditation or, you know, whatever, whatever, however we pray or whatever, however people view the universe supporting them. we, We do as humans tend to say, please bless this project, bless this thing. And I changed that a couple years ago and started saying, put me in what is already blessed. Pick me up like a chess piece. That means closing doors. If that means taking me out of something else, Put me in what is already, what already needs me, my talents, what I can bring. And it's amazing to see what's happening. So I'm noticing the shift taking place as I'm starting to be put in places that are already blessed. And that's really fun. So I don't know what's ahead. And I love the mystery of that.
0: Very cool. Cool. Amy, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this. Who is one person who has been a very powerful mindfulness influence in your life?
1: David Meltzer. Oh. He's very world renowned, incredible. I had the opportunity to mentor underneath him. I interviewed him in person, life changing. And uh, I have to say his, his beautiful, amazing heart. His incredible insight and the difference he's making in the world is pretty powerful. If you're going to follow somebody, follow David. Your life will change.
0: Wow. Fantastic recommendation. Second question. Tell us how mindfulness has affected how you deal with your emotions.
1: I don't react to them. I can identify it and go oh this is a oh this is a fear oh this is an anxiety oh this is a sadness and then not react on them identify it kind of nurture it internally like okay all right at a girl you got this and then go into a little bit more analytical place of what to do with it at the moment and if i did something i need to deal with maybe i need to give myself those 15 minutes to really feel it and then go back into activity what it does is allows me to to cancel a, a negative thought. Or to not have my day go off the rails because I got angry or I got sad about something or something came in that I wasn't expecting. I can really put it in its right place and then reset.
0: Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice.
1: Ooh, I notice. I notice when I need to stop and take a full breath in. I'll notice if I start to do the, we all tend to do this, the pant. When we're busy, like, I got to get this, I got to get this done. Okay, I'm going to, and I'll, oh you're panting. Stop and breathe. Let your brain, let your body feel, feel where it's all coming from in the body. Relax into this. Then go into the activities. And the breathing I notice is a big, big deal.
0: I'm looking forward to reading your book, Lights, Camera, Action. It sounds absolutely compelling. But what other books would you recommend that are related to mindfulness?
1: Oh, you know what? I have a couple right here. The title of this, do not let it think, don't don't think the title. I was leery at first. It's called When Things Fall Apart by Pima Gordon. Um, but it actually is all about mindfulness and really diving in to meditation and how to even you know, start, start really releasing things that are global, things that are right next to you. Really powerful, incredible read on that one. And my other favorite one is called Resilient, how to grow an unshakable core of calm, strength and happiness by Rick Hansen. I have read this one multiple times and my notes are all over it, unlining, underlining scribble. It is a go-to constantly that I go back to just for that touch up.
0: Yeah. Isn't Rick Hansen amazing? Yes, yes, really is. Yes. My last question is about an app. Are there any apps that you use or you recommend that are somehow related to mindfulness?
1: you know, that is one thing that I am missing. I don't tend to go to an app. Um, I think because the nature of being in media or being on all the time, Mm -hmm. that going to the phone for something actually is counterintuitive for what I'm needing. So I choose to go to more of the books or music. Um, So if there was an app, I would say, you know, Spotify or Pandora, because then I can play the music that really puts me into a good, into a good place.
0: Yeah. And when you go to Spotify, go to What if it all goes right? Because that's going to inspire you. I can tell you, Mindful Tribe, that song is very inspiring. And so as we wrap up the interview, Amy, I want to ask you if you have any final words of advice for maybe listeners who have had some struggles along the lines of some of the things you've described. What words of wisdom would you have for our listeners?
1: I think the biggest lesson that I've learned is taking those limits off. There was those struggles that, oh, by 40, if I wasn't here, then that's it. I'm going to quit. I'm a failure. Uh, I have an oldest son who's already like, but look where I'm only at at 31. I thought I'd be, take the limits off. We don't know what our story is supposed to be. And and we tend to, as society, think that we have to fit in these boxes at certain ages. Enjoy the journey. You don't know what your story is going to be and just keep walking through it. Keep shifting. Keep adding those tools. Keep adding to your story and watch and see how abundant your life can be.
0: Amy, it's been such a pleasure, such an honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being here and for what you are doing for the world.
1: Thank you, Bruce. It was really an honor to be with you today. I truly, truly enjoyed it. Thank you. so
0: much. All the best to you. Bye now. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening to this episode with Amy, and I hope you check out her hit song. I've listened to it a lot. It's called What If It All Goes Right. So check that out. And also check out Grammarly. I've mentioned this before. If you do a lot of writing like I do, well, Grammarly can really help you. And and even if, you know, you feel like you're pretty good at spelling and pretty good at grammar and all this kind of thing, it can point out some... Uh, some errors or some suggestions that can really help you to write more accurately and just improve your writing as you go so i uh have enjoyed it you can get started with grammarly for free it works on desktop applications it works on sites across the web on apps social media documents messages emails you know all kinds of places Grammarly can help you. So you can use my affiliate link and get going right away and that means that will benefit me as well as it benefits you by getting a chance to get started with Grammarly for free. And the link is this: mindfulnessmode.com/grammarly. And Grammarly is spelled G R A M M a r l y and with that take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm focus and happiness stay in the mode